It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. With about six weeks left until the midterm elections, the economy continues to be a top concern for Americans and fears of a recession loom after the U.S. Federal Reserve raised interest rates in hopes of possibly curing decades-high inflation. Meanwhile, Democrats are hoping that November election will be the referendum on the Dobbs abortion decision and more Trump Republican candidates instead of President Biden's agenda. If it is a referendum on the president, they will lose, and they know that. They also know that crime is a huge vulnerability for Democrats. I would say one of the biggest vulnerabilities. For a conversation on this and more, we bring in our panel, founding editor at the Washington Free Beacon and AEI senior fellow, Matthew Connetti, former Tennessee congressman and co-host of The Five, Harold Ford Jr., and Fox News White House correspondent Jackie Heinrich. Jackie, has the White House's perception of the midterms, do you think, changed? Has anything like in your mind covering them changed how they're dealing with it? Changed how they're dealing with it? I mean, I don't think so. I think that the Dobbs decision has given them really the only momentum that they've clung to um, where at least in these states where you have Democrats who are trying to, uh, you know, remain in, in their seats, they're, they're running for reelection. It's, it's given them something to hold on to. Uh, it's also given the White House something to assail Republicans over and say, look, you know, if you if you elect Republicans here, uh, re- women's reproductive rights could be on the ballot, uh, which I think is is really interesting because. You know, if you look at recent polling, people, while the, the president is underwater in his job approval and on the economy, he gets points for getting things done. They've passed, you know, legislation, the, the CHIPS Act, the Inflation Reduction Act, even though uh, it doesn't reduce inflation, but they've, they've actually gotten things done on climate, healthcare, and, and semiconductors. And rather than pointing to any of those things, they're leaning into this, this issue of abortion. And I think what what stands out to me is Democrats are using it in some of these states to try to say that uh, Republicans are extreme for supporting a limit, referring to the Lindsey Graham proposal, um, but they don't want to touch the question of whether they would support any limit at all. Republicans are saying, well, 39 weeks, that's extreme. If you support abortion at 39 weeks, I mean, that's that's a baby. That's extreme. So I think that this is a complicated issue for them, but it, it's, you know, gets people in the heart enough that people respond emotionally to it and they don't want to get into the nitty gritty. They just want to, you know, bring that emotional issue to the polls. 
Harold, is it a is it a two-edged sword for Democrats to really hang their midterm election hopes on abortion? Do you think that that's that's dangerous in some way, shape, or form for Democrats? Well, first, thanks for having me. I, you know, I don't. I, I think you know you get the last six weeks of a campaign. Um, campaigns and candidates and the politics can take you know different directions and. As long as, uh, you know, I think Jackie framed it very well in terms of some of the policy achievements that the White House has. But, you know, with voters, you think about what happened with the Youngkin race. It, it really boiled down to, to parents and uh, what was happening in schools, what was not happening in schools, the kind of instruction that kids were getting. I would not have predicted that being the issue. Certainly Terry McAuliffe thought it would be a different issue in that race uh, than it was, but it, it happened to be that way. The Dobbs issue is is fascinating because I think being pro-life over the last 30 years in the country, whether someone was pro-life uh, because of just a political dimension to it or a combination of the moral or all moral, it was a convenient position to take in some ways because the country was pro-choice in terms of our, our legal structure in the country. And then the decision gets upended and it really is cost people to revisit the way they think about uh, not only uh, the KC the, the v. Pennsylvania decision or uh, the KC decision from Pennsylvania, uh, or for that matter, Roe, it's caused people to think more broadly about freedoms and what freedoms could be taken from them. So this issue around Dobbs, I think, is a broader question that, that everyday Americans, men and women, have, parents have. I mean, I'm a, I'm a father of a, a daughter and a son, and I think about not abortions for them, but I think about just the choices that, that I will have and they will have as they, as they grow older. But I think there are two other things that Democrats are going to that, that really benefit the public, not, not just Democrats, really benefit the public. One is that the Republicans came out with their own uh, kind of commitment to America, vision for what they would do if they were uh, elected into office. And there's some things to glean from it. Uh, and Democrats have come out with they have a record they've run. They can run on some of the achievements that Jackie's already talked about and some of the things that uh, that they're they're talking about on the trail as well. But. I look at it in two ways. One, it's good for the country. We now understand what the Republicans may or may not do or are likely to do if they get elected. Uh, they want to they, they, they repeal some of the things around the, the, the drug laws. They do want to go and develop a better crime plan, a border plan. I don't know why they haven't laid out details to their border plan. I mean, I'm not in Congress and I lay it out on, on your show and on the five. It'd be great if they told us what they wanted to do and be great, be greater even if they went down to the White House and said, Mr. President, that we want to, these are the things we think we should be doing. We have some Democrats that are supporting us. Let's get this done. And then finally, I think the success the president's had, we as a nation have had, and the president certainly has led the effort in Ukraine. I don't think those, these issues are not lost on voters. Is it something they're talking about every day? No. But when you get voters talking about politics and talking about political choices, and there's no doubt Dobbs is the energizer for Democrats and independents alike that are put, making Democrats competitive in some of these races, you then open the door uh, for other issues. Uh, and other important things to be talked about, whether it's semiconductor chips, uh, whether it's infrastructure, uh, uh, whether it's uh, lowering taxes uh, for for middle class Americans and for Democrats are going to have to deal with the crime issue and deal with the the student loan, uh, 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 I think, giveaway that the, the White House should not have. But I think if, if we if Democrats yeah. end up losing here at the end or losing a lot, I think this, this student loan uh, forgiveness thing will be will be a big culprit for that. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Harold. I mean, I think the student loan thing is going to reverberate. And Matthew, I'd like your thoughts on this, because I, I do think, you know, the CBO is coming in with $400 billion 
on uh, deficit spending, and they think it could be as high as 700 or 800 billion before all said and done about the student loan forgiveness package. And that totally erases anything they said was deficit reduction from the Inflation Reduction Act, which really didn't inflation, inflation reduction. Um, and so it's really interesting. I think that Harold may be right. I mean, if, if they lose big, I'm not sure the student loan thing is going to pan out for them. Well, the, the student loan uh, plan is bad public policy, Brett, but I do think it was good politics for Biden in this sense, which is Biden went into the summer losing Democratic support. He had not solidified the Democrats around him. And as a result of this proposal uh, that he's announced in the last month, we have seen Democrats rallying to Biden, and that's why his approval rating has kind of ticked up a few points. Biden's problem, though, is that even if that plan satisfied the base Democrats, it continues to uh, either repel or be superfluous to the concerns of independent voters who are very much negatively um, aligned toward his presidency. So the real issue in this campaign, I think, will continue to be the economy. It is incredible to me when we look at the rising 30-year fixed rate uh, interest rate for mortgage. We look at the continuing uh, hemorrhaging of the stock markets now into a bull market. We look at the uh, low levels of consumer sentiment. We look at the fact that majorities of Americans for months have have told uh, pollsters that they believe the economy is in a recession. Um, prices, economic dissatisfaction, I, I believe, are, will be the dominant issue in this election. And it's an issue that hurts Biden and the Democratic Party. Jackie, I'm always surprised by the president as he makes kind of his pitch. And, you know, he said a few times that there's a lot of places where gas is three to, under $3. The average of gas in all 50 states is not under $3. You know, he says people really don't have a problem with inflation. But in, in reality, people do have a problem with inflation. So I wonder if there's a disconnect in the White House about what people are feeling. I think there absolutely is. I think that there has been for a long time. I mean, you remember early on when inflation was just beginning to tick up, uh, we were hearing things like high class problems from officials at the White House. And over time, you know, hammering away at them, they sort of, you know, ad adopted the word inflation, inflation into their vernacular and started talking about it. Um, but this was not something that, you know, I, I think that they really put a lot of focus on in, in the beginning and has stumped them uh, all the way through. I mean, you, you've seen how, you know, they had a, a difficult time uh, pushing the Fed to, to rein in inflation. They had officials who are saying that this is transitory. And, you know, a lot of these statements just over time proving not to uh, be accurate. On the gas prices, I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me that the president had a, you know, a misspeak on that yesterday. These are things that, you know, we grow sort of accustomed to following uh, this White House. Um, but I think what does surprise me at this point is that they're not paying more attention to the issues that Republicans are leaning into on crime on the southern border. I mean, I've had officials in this administration, high up officials, ad admit to me off the record 
um, that, you know, they don't have good answers on the border. And we're going to see, we've already been seeing, we're going to see more of Republicans just sort of hammering uh, this administration on what it's not doing. And just yesterday, my colleague, Peter Ducey, you know, pointed to these double digit increases in crime in big cities and asked Karine Jean-Pierre, you know, does the president think that um, big cities are safe? And she deflected, as she does often, and said, well, it's not really a yes or no question. People should think about, you know, all the things that the president has done uh, to, to bring crime down across the country. And it's like, well, if he's done so much, why aren't we seeing it? First of all, why aren't we seeing the impacts of it? Why aren't we hearing him talk about it? Um, and why aren't we hearing him bearing down on Congress to pass, for instance, the police funding bill that uh, passed in the House and really has no clear path in the Senate. We don't even know if they're going to bring it up uh, and, and get it to the president's desk. I mean, if these were issues that truly are important to this White House, they would be talking about it. But their their lack of seeming seeming lack of interest in it, um, you know, leaves people thinking, um, especially people who lean Republican, that the White House doesn't care about uh, how you're feeling on crime and and on the border, and it's not just Fox asking about these questions anymore. You're seeing now we've sort of broken the dam. Other other networks are asking about the border, and they're going to have to come up with a better answer than Im immigrants are being used as political pawns when you have Democrat mayors who are also bussing migrants out of their cities because their resources are overwhelmed and and they're strained as well. All right, we're going to take a quick pause here. We'll be back after this. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. Harold, what about that? I mean, is the White House stepping on some Democratic campaigns on messaging? Well, I think that in any campaign, I think when I, when I was in office and back in 04 and 06, I remember... Uh, um, Dunn Rumsfeld saying that, you know, you go to you go to war with the army you have, not the army you want. I mean, naturally, I think there are a lot of Democrats that would love and a lot of Americans that would love for some more practical solutions on the border uh, and practical, practical solutions around crime. I do think um, there are times when I'm frustrated with the White House press secretary. Also, I think I think uh, young Ducey and, and Jackie do a great job there. But in fairness, you know, crime is not a partisan issue. I mean, if you look at the where the crime rates are the highest, they're red states. I mean, it's not as if, you know, uh, in, in Louisiana, South Carolina, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Alabama, Mississippi, these are the highest crime states. I wouldn't go saying that Tate Reeves ought to be the one that's responsible for all this. I think we got to figure out ways in which we, you know, we, we address this. Now, without question, this is not a, a naive answer from the standpoint Democrats need, we don't, we don't have as good an answers as we want on a lot of these things, and frankly, nor do Republicans. At least in fairness to the White House, the Congress last week, they passed a, a police funding bill that I guess some Republicans didn't like because they didn't vote for it. And uh, a lot of Democrats said they had to twist the arms of some of the more liberal Democrats that supported, I know, but the, not a lot of Republicans voted for it. You know, when it comes to the economy, I, I think Matt's right that, that that is mostly the issue in these campaigns. But if you look at Virginia's race, and again, I go back to the Youngkin race because I think it's illustrative and informative in some ways. You know, the economy was performing well in Virginia, uh, but it was another set of issues that animated and frankly got voters uh, energized about going to the polls. And it had to do with COVID, had to do with schools and had to do with education. I think the Dobbs decision has that kind of impact on this race. I mean, Brett, you 
the first question you asked me, I, I think in so many ways is, 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 a, is a prescient one because politics, people get moved to go to the polls by emotion. And when you have huge turnouts, which I think we're going to have in this election, I think it's going to mirror the Republicans are going to turn out in big numbers for a lot of the reasons that have been already articulated on this call. And where Democrats are going to show up, show up as well. The question becomes, what happens with independence? And I think Jen Psaki probably said it pretty well in another network the other day when she said, look, if, if this thing is about Biden, Democrats are going to lose. If this thing is about voting for candidates who are not extreme or who are in the mainstream of our thinking. Uh, in the mainstream, is not about the economy as much. It's about, I think, a lot of the social issues uh, that, I, I, again, I think have really, really energized voters, uh, particularly in the Democratic Party. You know, Matthew, we, we sit there and we try to divine what voters are going to do. But history usually tells us a lot. In history, if a president is below 50 percent, he loses or – well, it's not a she – but it could be a she, but it's he, loses seats. And it's anywhere between 10 and 20 seats in the House. If they're below 45%, they actually lose bigger. That's history. Right now, the latest polls for President Biden are at 39%. So what does history tell us, and why would this be different? Every structural indicator we have uh, shows that the, the Democrats are set up to uh, lose this election. When you look at Biden's job approval rating, when you look at the, again, the economic assessments, when you look at the number of Democratic retirements, uh, the, the and especially when you look at the narrow margins uh, that Republicans have to um, overcome in order to capture both chambers, uh, you would assume that things would look very good for uh, the Republicans um, in November. There are two asterisks. Uh, one is um, the abortion decision. We just don't know how it will play because one historical precedent we don't have is the uh, overturning of a press of a uh, judicial decision like Roe that's been in place for 50 years. This is the first election since. Uh, so that's new. The second thing is uh, we, um, we've never had a situation where a former president uh, who left office uh, after contesting the election is still such a dominant figure in our public life. And we know, uh, again, from history that Donald Trump mobilizes his voters, but also mobilizes his opponents just as much, um, uh, if not more. Um, so those two asterisks make this a fairly unusual election where everything we know from history points to a big Republican night. But uh, these unknowns mean that it may be more complicated than that. I will say, though, Brett, I mean, everyone you talk to, Republican or Democrat, looks at the numbers, looks at the very narrow margin that Republicans have to overcome in the House and pretty much assumes that Kevin McCarthy will be the Speaker of the House next year. Last thing, Jackie, uh, how much does the Biden White House want to make this election about former President Trump? I mean, I think they want to make it about him as much as they possibly can. Um, you know, they have been trying to paint uh, the other side as extreme when on issues ranging from abortion, as we've been talking about, to ultra MAGA, uh, semi fascist. Uh, Trumpy. I mean, they, there was a stretch of a few weeks there where the president was really leaning into all of that rhetoric. And um, 
I think capitalizing on the Mar-a-Lago raid without really getting into it, but you know, the timing coincided. I think that, you know, the, the president thinks that he beat Trump and that that worked. And if they do that again, uh, maybe they'll have more success and maybe they will, you know, not have to talk about things like uh, in record gas prices this summer, uh, record high inflation, record crime, record border crossings, all of the things that, um, you know, are not going as well for them. And, you know, we talked about the, this president's achievements at the beginning of the segment. And while they, you know, they're there, people aren't going to feel them for quite a long time. I mean, this climate spending is not going to make uh, energy costs cheaper for uh, for anyone anytime soon. You've got to spend money to save money on things like solar panels and things like that. Chips money isn't going to, uh, you know, produce a cheaper car that's been manufactured in the U.S. tomorrow. Um, you know, it, it, the list goes on. These are even with Medicare uh, pricing and, and prescription drug negotiations. These are things that aren't going to, you know, be felt by Americans for years to come. And so, I think that without those tangibles that people can, you know credit the president for and say, he did something in my life that I feel today. Uh, they have tried to make this about Trump. The only thing, uh, looping back to earlier in the conversation that might be a little bit different is the student debt cancellation. And I think that was a big reason why the president wanted to make this a legacy builder for him. Uh, even if there was some reporting that suggested he had reservations about it initially, that it would upset working class people. I think that there were enough people within the administration that convinced him otherwise, and that's what they're going with now. I think that's going to be an interesting play when it comes down to the midterms and how that plays, I think, is going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, panel, thanks. Now for a bit of history, midterm pledge as well. On September 27th, 1994, 367 Republican congressional candidates signed the Contract with America on the steps of the U.S. Capitol building. The contract outlined legislation that Republicans would pledge to pass in the 104th Congress if they were to win the majority in that November's midterm elections. Led by Speaker Newt Gingrich, the Republicans would pass all of the legislation outlined with the exception of a constitutional amendment for term limits. Much of the legislation did not make it past the Senate. President Bill Clinton vetoed other parts and negotiated some with terms more reasonable for Democrats. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and review. We want to hear from you. For Harold, Matthew, and Jackie, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.